You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. And before we get to our guests, I'd just like to say that if you'd like to help us out at Cannabis Health Radio, you can go to our webpage, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a contribution. Help us out here and help us continue doing what we do. And for those who have done so thus far, we say thank you. Now to our guest. Our guest today started on prescription medications at the age of 14, and over the course of the next 10 years or so, she has suffered from numerous diseases, including fibromyalgia, Crohn's, scoliosis, arthritis, bipolar, and if that wasn't enough, depression and anxiety. And joining us from Ohio to tell her story is Leanne Barbie. Leanne, take us back to the age of 14 when you were put on prescription meds. What was that for? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I was start, I was prescribed psychiatric ju- drugs at the age of 14 for depression, and then the depression medication gave me anxiety, so I tar- started taking anti-anxiety medicine, and then I was diagnosed bipolar, so I started taking mood regulators like lithium. Did they help at all? They did help some, but it, it seemed like the side effects of them seem to make things worse. And every couple of months I had to be either the pills had to be switched because the dose needed to be increased or I needed to switch pills. And I I still have symptoms. They were less until I needed my dosage increase. So it was just, it was a vicious cycle. I, I never found something that worked for a long period of time. Leanne, what kind of side effects would you get? Um, I gained weight, anxiety, more depression. Um, I was suicidal. There, there were many times that I considered taking my own life. Um, only, only one attempt, but the prescription bottles that you're given with these antidepressants say on there that it increases the risk of suicide. How does that even make any sense yes, when yeah. you get the a 14-year-old antidepressants because they might be suicidal, but the side effects are going to make them suicidal. It's, it, 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 like I said before, it is a vicious cycle. And I was on those until 2013. Leanne, tell me some of the health issues that you experienced over the course of the next 10 years. I started having... Um, weird symptoms that doctors couldn't really explain. I would have tingling in my hands and feet. I would just start hurting like I had the flu for weeks on end. Like my body would just ache. My fingers would swell. My back would hurt to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I had digestive issues where I was in the bathroom 20 to 30 times a day. Um, I had a, 
a lot of symptoms and nothing added up to just one disease. Um, doctors are trained to put all of your symptoms into one syndrome or, like I said, one disease. They don't want to think that you might have 15 different things, especially, you know, if you're in your early 20s. They're not assuming that you've got arthritis and, you know, all of these different things. So it took years to get a diagnosis. Um, I went to so many doctors. Specialists would refer me to other specialists because they had no idea what was going on. And it was it was expensive. Um, I stopped working in 2007 because I couldn't deal with the um, I couldn't I couldn't deal with the pain and the side effects of the prescription drugs. When the, the when I was on prescription medications for the the pain and the Crohn's disease, um, you know, as I was getting older, they would put me to sleep 20 hours a day. I had two young kids at that point. They were eight and 10, and I was literally sleeping 20 hours a day. I would get up long enough to cook them food and make sure they got off to school and that kind of stuff. But I had absolutely no quality of life. Uh, and, you know, and the, the prescription pain pills only helped the pain so that I could barely function, just so I could get out of bed to make dinner, and then I had to go lay back down. They, they never helped enough. I was, uh, when I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, my doctor looked at me and he said, um, you know, we'll prescribe you, prescribe you painkillers, but I don't expect you to ever go a, below a five out of 10 on a pain scale. That was really hard for me, you know, thinking that, you know, five out of 10 for some people takes them to a hospital. And I had, that was the best that I would ever have to look forward to. You must have been terribly depressed. Horribly depressed. <laughs> yeah, I can understand. I mean, being on all, all those medications, uh, having the side effects, sleeping, and having two kids to deal with. Definitely wasn't easy. No. How many pills were you on in total? Uh, um, when I stopped taking pills, I was on over 20 a day at that point. 20 a day. Now, yep. in the notes you sent us, you said you were on methadone. Why were you on methadone? So I was given methadone, which is a uh, an opioid type drug that people are given to get off of heroin. I was given it because I had exhausted all other painkillers. I had been through the Vicodin, the Percocet, the Oxycontin, the Oxycodone. Everything that you could think of, I had tried and either got to the point where if I had to take a higher dose, it could kill me, or they just stopped working altogether. So um, the doctor had given me some methadone, and I tried it, and it, it worked great for about two weeks. And then I had to increase the dose. So I started at 10 milligrams a day. And by the time I stopped taking it, I was at 90 milligrams a day. Wow. 90 milligrams a day. Did you feel like a drug addict? I did, but I told myself, these are prescribed by your doctor because you are in pain. I knew I was dependent on them, 
but I constantly told myself I am not addicted to these because I am prescribed these. This is legal. I am not addicted. The day the doctor told me that they weren't going to prescribe them to me anymore, I realized how addicted I was. Why did the doctor say they weren't going to prescribe them anymore? I had um, I had been seeing the same doctor for years, and he's the one who had been prescribing me the methadone. And he moved out of our area, and it was an hour drive for me. Well, I couldn't drive. I shouldn't have been driving um, with the amount of pills that I was on. I definitely could not have driven an hour every single month to go pick up a prescription. So I changed doctors and found one that was in my town. It was only five minutes away and had discussed everything with her. And she was fine continuing my uh, my treatment. My first appointment to go pick up my, my prescription with her, she decided that I was addicted and was not going to prescribe them to me. So tell me what that was like when she told you no more opiates. I was I was scared. I was pissed. I, I didn't know what to do. Um, first thing I did was called my old doctor and you know tried to talk to him to see if he would help me. But because I had established a relationship with this new doctor, I'd have to wait six months to be able to get back in to see him. So that wasn't going to happen. Um, when I I got home and it realized the. The intensity of the situation, uh, it was two days before Christmas. My kids were 12 and 16. And I, I, I knew what people, what kind of withdrawal people went through from methadone. Uh, I mean, if this is something that people are given to get off of heroin, you know, you know it's not easy gonna, to, be, uh, to be able to get off of it. And so I thought about what my other options were. I, I didn't think, you know, going off of pills at that moment was an option. So I thought about going and buying pills on the street. That was not an option because I was on disability. And the very, you know, small amount of money I got for disability payments obviously had to go towards bills and could not go to the, the high price of prescription pills on the street. Uh, it's, it's a ridiculous amount that that people charge and pay for these things. Um, so my next thought went to heroin. And I think at, at that point is when I realized, holy crap, Leon, you, you are addicted. You have a problem. If you are seriously considering going to heroin, it wasn't just the withdrawals I was worried about. It, I was worried about the pain. I had been in so much pain, you know, that my doctor had prescribed me methadone why was I going to immediately be, you know, how, how was I going to be okay with nothing? And thankfully, a friend brought me cannabis. That's interesting because you had two issues to deal with. You had to deal with the withdrawal from the opiates, but you also had to deal with, once you did withdraw from the opiates, you'd have the pain that uh, you were taking the opiates for. Exactly. You know, I find it interesting, too. It's almost like you slipped through the cracks there. I mean, for you to be on all that medication and really intense drugs like methadone and then cut it completely cold turkey is actually fairly dangerous. 
it's very dangerous. And I, I did eventually report the doctor because I don't think that that was her best decision. Um, if, if she wanted me off of them, there was definitely other ways to go about it, weaning it, you know, whatever. But she saw me as a drug addict. She never actually believed that I was in as much pain as I said I was. And I think that was the biggest issue. So she did get reported. I'm not sure what came of that, but it was a very bad decision on her part. You know, the I, thing, I, you, sorry to interrupt here, Leanne, but the thing that strikes me here, too, is the the medical profession or your physician actually played a key role in getting you addicted. Yes. You know, he was supporting that addiction. He yeah. or she. Yes. Leanne, tell me about your friend introducing you to cannabis. I had always been a proponent of cannabis use. Um, I had used it as a teenager, just like most teenagers in high school do, experimenting here and there. I may have went a little bit above experimenting, but I realized at a young age that there were medical qualities to it. Um, You know, being diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and bipolar at 14, you learn how to to self-medicate. And, you know, alcohol would make me feel better, but for days afterwards, I'd feel worse. But if I smoked a little pot with my friends, not only did I feel really great then, but I also felt good for days. So, you know, realizing these things at a young age, actually my um, junior year of high school, I took a thesis class and actually uh, wrote a paper comparing the prohibition of alcohol to the prohibition of marijuana and why the prohibition of alcohol was a bad idea. And, you know, same goes for prohibition of marijuana. You know, that was back in 1997 um, when in the United States, California was the only state that had medical marijuana at that time. Everywhere else it was illegal. So kind of, you know, feel like I was little bit of a pioneer in, you know, the the medical part of it or, you know, the research part of it or, you know, knowing those type of things. Jump forward to this, I hadn't really used it much because I was in a pain management program with my doctor. And if you use cannabis and they give you a urinalysis and you fail it, they will kick you off of your prescription pain pills. At that point, prescription pain pills was the only thing that I I thought about. So um, pretty much had given it up for for years. And my friend was like, I don't know how much this will help you, but it can at least maybe not make you think about the pain while you're going through this crap. So I rolled up a couple of joints and smoked them. And so this was this was several days after I had um, had my my last methadone. And immediately had relief. It was the first night that I slept more than two hours at a time. So the next day, I smoked one when I got up and then smoked one in the afternoon and smoked one at night and didn't throw up any that day. And my stomach hurt a little bit less. And every day, it was everything hurt just a little bit less. I wasn't quite as sick. Um, you know, things looked a little bit clearer. Now, it took me six months to withdraw off of methadone to get everything out of my system and to feel like an, you know, even halfway normal human being again. And it's at that point 
I realized that the cannabis was doing way more than just helping me get through the withdrawals. It was actually helping a lot of my symptoms that I had been on over, you know, 20 pills a day for. So that must have been a, a eureka moment for you, knowing that uh, you were taking all these medications. You were on methadone. You you were had to quit methadone cold turkey. You smoke joints, and you don't experience the terrible um, impact that quitting methadone cold turkey can have, but also your pain was relieved somewhat. Yeah, and I wasn't as depressed. The If I had an anxiety attack, I could take a couple of hits off of a pipe and it would go away, where before I'd have to take a handful of pills and wait an hour for them to kick in to you know be able to even leave my bedroom every single thing was improved i was spending more time with my kids i was you know able to take them to the park just to go to the park um what did your kids say about uh, your change in i guess behavior they knew I was going off of prescriptions, but at that time, they didn't know about the cannabis. I didn't tell them about that until six months after I started using it and realized that I was going to continue using this as a medicine. It wasn't just going to be something that helped me get off of the pills. This was going to be my new medicine, and I was going to use it daily. And I had two teenage kids, so I knew it wasn't something I was just going to be able to hide from them. So I sat down with them and said, look, I'm sure you realize over the last six months, mommy's been feeling better and this is why. And I laid it out to them and I explained to them that it's a medicine and that it's, you know, not all these things that your D.A.R.E. program in in elementary school told you about. And, you know, that everybody tells you that it's going to make you go crazy or anything like this For, for mommy. It helps and it's helped more than anything else and they saw where i had been six months ago to that point and they were teenagers so they were able to understand and they fully supported me and i just want to make a point and say neither one of my kids have touched it uh you know most high school kids most teenagers have you know at least experimented with their friends or you know tried it because they're curious my kids aren't curious because they know it's a medicine and you don't need to use it unless you need to use it. And at this point in their lives, they don't need to use it. So they haven't even experimented with that. And I think that that's a, you know, something big that we need to point out because a lot of the prohibitionists are worried about what about the kids? You know, what we, we can't send them a message that it's okay to be using this by legalizing it. We can, and they're smart enough to understand You know, just because mommy has a bottle of prescription pills in her medicine cabinet doesn't mean that your kids go and take those. It's the same way if you're upfront and honest with them about it. Yeah, that's that's very good. Uh, Good of you for doing that. How long did it take you to get off all the uh, pharmaceuticals you were on? Um, So October 11th of 2013 was the last day I took a pharmaceutical. So um, it was just over 10 months to get off of everything. The, the remaining pharmaceuticals, they, you know, they were things like 
Klonopin and um, I, I've blocked some of them out because I don't want to remember anymore. Yeah, what what what? Also dangerous drugs, you know, not just you know Advil or things like that. They were highly addictive drugs. Now, have you only smoked cannabis, or do you take cannabis oil or edibles? Yeah, at first I only smoked it, um, but after realizing, you know, all of the benefits had given me, I started doing research and, you know, found out about the endocannabinoid system and found out that smoking isn't really the best way to get the cannabinoids in your system. Um, So I started out just making my own edibles, you know, like butter and, you know, muffins and that kind of stuff. Um, And then I learned about vaping so that I could get immediate relief. Um, the problem with edibles for me is because of my Crohn's disease, it can take up to five hours for an edible for me to actually feel relief from an edible. So I found oil. Um, some people know it as RSO. Some people know it as FICO. Unfortunately, being in an illegal state, it is very, very difficult to get that. And if you can, it's very, very expensive. So I don't have it often, but that is what works best for me. I can use it sublingually. So I just put it under my tongue and kind of let it melt. And usually within like 15 minutes, um, I start getting relief and I can have 10 to 12 hours of relief from just a little bit of oil under my tongue. How much is it a gram in Ohio? It depends, and it also depends on quality. We can we're looking between fifty and seventy a gram, probably. Mm. Yeah, I thought as much. Leanne, tell me how you feel today compared to the day in two thousand and twelve when your doctor said no more opiates. I am a completely different person um, after going off of all the prescription pills. I lost sixty five pounds. Um, some of that was weight because of the pills. Some of it was weight because I was in bed 20 hours a day and there was, you know, nothing, nothing, uh, I was doing nothing. Um, so I began exercising slowly and, um, I began volunteering for marijuana advocacy groups in Ohio, trying to get it legalized because, You know, if it can help me this much, I could only imagine all of the people it can help. You know, it's every day if I'm I'm out, I'm talking to somebody about marijuana. I it's I don't (laughs) I don't give up on it. It's I know how many people it can help. Um, So I I was able to work again. I hadn't worked since 2007. Um, I can take my kids to their events. I you know helped my daughter move into college. Things that there was absolutely no way I could have done on the pills. I mean, like I said, I couldn't even drive. I was in a car accident one morning driving my kids back from school because I fell asleep because I was on so many pills. It's just, yeah, like, and I, I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I let myself get to that point. But. I didn't realize I was at that point. My doctor, I I trusted my doctor and thought as long as I was getting stuff from him and not taking more than what he prescribed and, you know, those kind of things that I was going to be okay, but I wasn't. And I feel like there's so many people out there in the same situation and, 
you know, cannabis might not be able to get them off of all of their medications like it did for me, but I know it can help them at least reduce it. Yeah, your story is interesting. Your kids must be proud of you. They are. You must be pretty proud of yourself, actually, yeah, too. I yeah, mean, yeah, I miss What that. you've overcome is amazing. It's it's a hard thing, you know, to say that you're proud of yourself, but it's it's liberating no knowing how far I've come. No, I think you've done uh, something which is truly amazing. What other treatments have you been using to supplement your cannabis? A couple of years ago, I learned about kratom and golden paste. Uh, kratom is another natural substance. It's a leaf on a tree that goes uh, grows in Southeast Asia. Um, and it's also has some stigma attached to it, um, but it has helped so many people get off of opiates and stay off of opiates. Um, it's like it's an opioid antagonist, so it works similar to how, how opioids do, but it's not an opiate. So it doesn't uh, you, you can't overdose from it. You can't I don't want to say you can't get addicted to it, but it's less likely that you'll get addicted to it. Do you know, Le- um, Leanne, I, ha- I know someone who takes uh, Kratom, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not quite sure. but uh, And I had no idea what it was, so I looked it up, and you're absolutely right. It's a tree native to Southeast Asia, and it's in the same family as the coffee tree. Yes. And uh, the leaves, it says here, the leaves of Kratom have been used as an herbal drug from time immemorial by peoples of Southeast Asia. It is used in folk medicine as a stimulant at low doses and a sedative at high doses. Uh, Recreational drug painkiller, medicine for diarrhea, and treatment for opiate addiction. Many people report that Kratom is an effective treatment for arthritis, restless leg syndrome, and fibromyalgia, which is exactly what you had. Yes. Yeah. Um, It's, yeah, and it's, it's pretty interesting once I started learning more about Kratom. It has a lot of qualities similar to cannabis. So it doesn't have cannabinoids like cannabis does, but it has alkaloids, which can work kind of like cannabinoids do. Um, It has different strains. So you've got red, which is more sedating and pain relieving. So I compare that to an indica. It's got whites, which are more energetic and mood lifting. So I compare that to a sativa. And then you've got greens, which are in between. And that's like a hybrid. So when I, you know, I realized all these similarities and, you know, that it was, uh, it was cheap. It was uh, natural and Best of all, it was legal, <laughs> and which, you know, is really hard for me living in an illegal state. I can't consistently get medicine, cannabis medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I do, I don't always know the quality. So having something else in my arsenal uh, really helps. The other thing I use is golden paste. Um, it is uh, a turmeric, coconut oil, and black pepper Um you can just look up the, the recipe online if anybody's interested in that. Turmeric is a natural anti-inflammatory, um, so that seems to really help with my Crohn's disease and my um, like my arthritis symptoms. The golden paste is interesting, and, and uh, I laughed when I read that. The only reason I laughed is because my wife makes this concoction of uh, turmeric, coconut oil, black pepper, 
and she puts a tablespoon of honey in it, mixes, oh, yeah. mixes it all up, and we take it every morning. And, <laughs> and she calls it turmeric power. And I said to her last night, have you ever heard of golden paste? She says, no, what's that? So I said, well, here's the recipe. And I told her, and she says, that's my recipe. <laughs> but it's, it's delicious, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, I'm not a big fan of turmeric, but I've gotten used to it. <laughs> it, it you know, some people, if you're not um, Thai food, Indian food, whatever, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not big on on different culture food. So your mouth places. is not watering <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> exactly, but it works, and for that reason, I I get it down. So, <laughs> Leanne, how's your Crohn's disease? It's it's not too bad um it's one of the hardest things to keep under control the kratom acts as a um, a diuretic so it seems to help with the diarrhea that i have from it Mm -hmm. but the cannabis seems to help the most with the pain from it but i never really had um too bad of a case. It was pretty mild. Now, my son, on the other hand, was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when he was five, and he has a pretty severe case and is on chemotherapy-type medications. We have to give him an injection of it every other week. So once we have a full and operating medical program in Ohio, I plan on um, getting my son registered as a patient so we can try cannabis out on, on his Crohn's disease. Yeah, that would be great. Leon, how frustrating is that for you to know that you have a plant that will probably make a huge difference in your son's quality of life, and yet you're in a state where legally you cannot do that. It's it's really frustrating, and it's you know at times it's sad because especially when you have to see the look on his face when you stick a needle in his butt every other week, you know, mm. and when when I could just give him a little bit of oil every day and he he he'd probably be okay, but there's. You know, when you live in, you know, such a prohibitive state and you're not married to your child's father any longer, you know, the legal issues, the legal problems at this point outweigh any benefits. So it's too bad. Yeah, it it really is too bad. It really is. Well, I think, uh, Leanne, once... Ohio does become legal, at least medically, uh, he can try it because we've talked to a, a lot of people who have really put their Crohn's into remission using cannabis oil. Yes. And for those people who have had really severe Crohn's disease, it has helped them immensely. So it's uh, it's something you can you can look forward to. And I'm sure, given the fact that he knows what cannabis has done to help his mother, he will be receptive to it. He's all on board. It's just it's his his father and his uh, his doctors that that we need to get on board. So. Oh yeah. Well, we won't. We probably we won't go about there. A year and a half until the medical program in Ohio is probably up and running well. So I have have about that much time to get it all worked out. <laughs> Yeah, no, Leanne, you've uh, you've done wonders for yourself, and you should be very, very proud of what you've done. I think Thank it's you. it it's uh, a truly remarkable story of kicking methadone and all the other ailments that you have and the pain that you've experienced over the years, 
and the fact that you were on the road to recovery is just a very remarkable story. Thanks very much for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Leanne. It's an amazing story and good on you. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.